And we're back. What's up, everybody? It's me. You know who I am. You're on my channel. You're watching my show. I appreciate it. I appreciate the love. I appreciate everything. Uh, I'm getting better. My Bell's palsy is almost gone. I went back to work. I got cleared by the lovely government entity to return to the workforce. So I'm doing that. Working live shows on the weekends. It's great. Back back in, around music, running the festival setting, reminding myself that I am good at something. It's great. It's been wonderful. Um, anyways, we're going to get right to it. I got a great guest today. One of like probably my oldest still standing friends from the music industry. Uh, there's a few people I would look up to as not like, not necessarily like a mentor, but like an inspiration. And uh, this guy's one of them. So I'm really happy to have my dear, dear friend, uh, Ray Harkins on the show. Ray is the lead podcast strategist at iHeartRadio, and he works at Tandem Management Co. and is also a great dude. Ray, what's up? Joel, it's kind. I feel I feel gassed by you, but uh, you know, I, I think when, especially in independent music, once you like connect with a person, and I remember the shows that we did together in the you know the Makoto era, where it was like playing the it was a four one eight project. I want to say four eighteen, baby. Yep, and like meeting you and then knowing you and it, it, it was within 10 to 15 minutes you and i were both like on the level immediately it was like oh you're you're one of us like you're yeah. good and yeah. then i think that's like we cannot talk for years and then just dive right back into it and just be like yeah it's fine like this is well, who we are yeah and i think the thing that blew my mind the most about when we, we met ray was like you were doing makoto and i was like cool dudes from southern california that was it the buck stopped there for me and then like you, you guys did like, a, I think we did like three or four shows for that band, I think. And yep. then it was like, I remember you were like at PETA and then all of a sudden you were at like Century Media. And then like somebody was like, I remember, I forget what you, your name came up sure. somewhere. Like you did something, maybe it was when you were Century and signed a band or like, and then you started helping with Sound of Fury for a couple of years. Yep. And somebody was like, oh, I think that's what it was. Your yep. name was in that circle. And I told somebody I knew you and they were like, you know Ray from Taken? And I was like, I didn't even know you had never told me about Taken. And like, yeah. I, I'm kind of a little, well, not anymore, but back then I was young. Like I was like a metalcore kid. I had no preconceived, I didn't know about this whole hardcore thing that had been going on for 10 years before before MySpace metalcore, you know? Sure, sure. So that, that's what I call it, by the way. The, the good old times is MySpace metalcore. That's, that's the, how the, I refer to the, it. <laughs> the early early tens as it were yes yes so, that and so now it's always like whenever you comment or tweet me back without fail ray like literally the last time you tweeted me back like two days ago i think it was yeah. i got a side text like you know ray harkins and i'm like yeah yes and it was not from someone i expected it from and i was like yeah yeah i was like where where are you going because no i'm not going to do you a favor that involves him. And they were like, oh no, I just, I love his show. Like, that's so crazy. Like, how do you guys? And I was like, dude, everyone in our world, we all exist on the same plane of existence. It's just a matter of like, if you're one of those idiots that's signed on with like some political music industry circle, or yeah. if you do your own thing. Yeah, no, for and sure. Well, and I, I think too, and I'm sure you've experienced this where it's like when you have done all these different things, these disparate things within the music industry, whether it's management, yeah. whether it's putting on shows, all of that, like people identify you with a certain thing. And then when you've lasted longer than that thing or whatever, like obviously everybody does like, you know, it's yeah. not like the band breaks up or you stop doing this. And then yeah, once people yeah. do, yeah. Once people have those touch points with you, it's so cool because then people can know you from one thing 
but then not even know about you doing this other thing. And that's fine. It's just like, dude, there's no late to, you know, late to the party yeah. where it's like you, I never would be like, Oh, Joel, like you, did you ever check out my previous metalcore band called taken? Like you know, I would never yeah, do that. Exactly. Exactly. But then what when, I love. Right. <laughs> but then when you would discover it, you'd be like, Oh, that's cool. And like you put all those threads together and that honestly, that's what makes it really fun and meaningful when you can, see the trajectory of what a person has done within the context of music yeah. because you're like oh i can see where one begat the other and then how them doing this one thing helped yeah, this one thing exactly yeah yeah exactly and and my whole thing is like and, I, and what i also love about specifically your and my situation is two things the first is it's very rare that like there's a band that i didn't know about especially in now in my later years that I'm like, I should have known about this band. But like when I listened to Taken, I, I was like, I almost texted you mad. Like, how did you never like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, like I'm a fan. That's all I'm going to say. I don't want to sit here and like keep gassing you hard. But like, I was like, okay. whoa, dude. Like I loved Makoto. You guys were a great ass time. We had fun. All those shows were fun, you know? Totally. And then, but then I was like, Taken's like a whole new world. Well, at the time it was for me. And I was no. like, this is great, dude. Like, I know this guy. Like, I don't, you know, I don't get too like, too pumped and then like i remember when you guys announced those japan shows a couple years ago and everybody was like flipping out and i was like yeah taken sight and people are like oh you know who they are i was like yeah, yeah. and they're like oh tight like ray has this podcast and i'm like yeah yeah i know ray <laughs> and people are like you're like the metal court dude like how do you know ray like you what like and i'm like what do you mean that first off that's like the most ignorant statement ever like yeah I pay attention, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, second off, like, that's yeah, yeah. He's tight, like, but also yeah. like, I always joke on the show, like, we've we've had episodes talking about like my history from like a child. Uh, like, I've had a lot of guests from. I mean, I've been doing this. This is sixteen years now, right? Yeah. Like, and so I've had guests from, but like, I may always make the joke that there's still a few people in the world of of the music industry that don't know me as Joel Cupcake or Joel Haston, they just know me as like big Joel or Joel from Santa Cruz. And like, you're on that list. Like you probably, if someone brings me up in conversation, I just imagine you going like, Oh yeah, Joel from Santa Cruz, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. there's not a lot of bands let like everyone just calls me by my later names now. You know what I mean? And so yeah. it's, it's cool to have someone that literally I go back that far with. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it is special because I think that, I mean, honestly, that's what makes the whole, thing that we are involved in the DIY punk hardcore community. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I try not to wax nostalgic too much because it, it, I never want to feel like it's like, Oh, this era was the best because that's stupid. Like what we're experiencing right now is the best, like for a 16 year old or a 17 year old. Fair. And even though like we not, we're clearly not in that demographic, it's still important for us to be like, we're still engaged. We still care about yeah. this. Like, you know, you work with bands and you manage bands and you are incredibly involved with making sure your finger is as on the pulse as humanly possible, not just from a musical perspective on like how we can make money, but like, I want to yeah. do this show because I love this band. I love yeah. Turnstile. So of course I'm going to have them up here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I think that's what makes the whole thing special because once you've been involved for over, you know, uh, whatever, five to seven years, like you have to, it takes effort to still continue to be involved. And I think yeah. that's what makes it all worthwhile because you feel that connect, like you and I could meet today and just be like, Oh wait, you're that like, Oh yeah. And then we would immediately connect. Yeah. We have so much shared history. 
even though we, you know, like using this example, we may never have met before. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. there is nothing cooler than be like, oh, dude, we were at the same shows together or whatever. It's like, yeah. it's so great. Well, and it's, it's also interesting to me because, you know, when you talk to other people in the music industry, how they talk to you or how they address you or answer you or whatever. I'm on, I, I've noticed that I'm on that list where it's, I'm more on the, oh, you don't know Joel side. Like I'm yeah, the yeah, one yeah. when people don't know me, they're, they're talked to weird <laughs> instead of it being me talked to weird for not knowing somebody. Like yeah. I'll be like, oh yeah, I've worked with them, but like, I don't know them. But then it's like, I'll meet someone and they're like, yeah, I literally got told like I was an uneducated dummy or something like that. Cause I didn't know you. And I'm like, well, that's not fair. I yeah. was like, I, I was like, it's the problem is that NorCal is just this own little bubble that hasn't been relevant since the pound. Sure. You know, and I'm, well, I mean, you remember Palookaville and Santa Cruz as well, like way back in the day, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. And like Salinas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> God, yes. Jim Dandies. Jim Dandies. Oh, yeah. Dude, we played, I mean, I think the first time that we went to Northern California, I mean, we definitely, we honestly played Jim Dandies and Salinas and this is taken probably three or four times. Like we played a lot because we just, yeah. I mean, we obviously knew the fate 13 dudes and they always brought us up there, but I just, I, I found it so um, transfixing like how weird this place was. And I mean, not only the venue was weird, everything was weird about it, but then oh, God. anytime you create something like that and kids show up, that's when it becomes like, we got to go back there. Like as yeah. many times as humanly possible, because yeah, like, exactly. no matter what, no matter what, there's 150 kids there. Everyone's stoked. It's super fun. And why would, I mean, at that time too, there wasn't really the notion of overplaying. <laughs> you, no. just, you just did it. Oh, cool. can we play this venue seven times a month? Sure, let's do it. Well, people always laugh, like when, especially when I talk to like new promoters or like young people trying to break into the market. They're yeah. like, they're, they like don't understand. Like I tell people, like, dude, I used to book literally Salinas, Santa Cruz, San Jose. None of those drives is an hour apart. Oh. I could do the three the same show three days in a row with one different local opening. Each show and each show would do three, 400 kids. Like, like I wish I could go back in time and live that now because like, I, I don't care about money as we've taught you and I have discussed like kind of before the show. Like I love doing shows to just do shows. When I was like a, like a 19 year old kid doing shows, I had money like coming out my ears. I overpaid bands cause I didn't know what I was doing, but I, I, I had, I still had, the scene was so strong. I had all this money and I used literally none of it for my future. So <laughs> yeah, know. as, as a smart, as a smart child does. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So, but you know, Oh God, but okay. Well, okay. So I got, I got a lot of stuff I want to talk to you about today. Hit right. Me. So Hit first me. off, you know, everybody checking out. Um, I know, you know, the first like 20 minutes of the show is always the most listened to. So I want to make sure we do you a little bit of justice. Ray hosts an amazing podcast called hundred words or less. Everybody. Uh, he actually just had a phenomenal guest uh, growing up a punk, the punk rock kid that I did a punk rock ska kid. He had Kevin seconds from seven seconds on the show. Uh, Ray, how did you, we're going to like kind of go in reverse order. That's fine. Uh, how long have you been doing hundred words now? And like, what do you, what do you love about it? It's so I've been doing it now this iteration. So hundred words or less. I've been doing it for almost eight years, which is insane in the podcast world because like yes. people were like, Oh my gosh, the podcast existed eight years ago. It's like, yeah, I did. Uh, I did a different iteration of the show called first world problems. Like if you go 
very far back in the feed. You'll be able to see like some of the first episodes are called First World Problems. Same oh, okay. sort of premise, different, uh, little slightly different structure. But yeah, so I've been doing it for eight years. And it, I mean, for one, it doesn't similar to probably, not probably, I can almost guarantee from your perspective of doing shows, like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like work. Like it feels like work adjacent, but not like work. And so uh, since I have kind of developed a, um, you know, a working relationship with the, you know, so many different people in regards to like publicists, like it's yeah. really easy for me. Like, honestly, I usually have about two months of episodes recorded in advance uh, because I'm just neurotic about that because I never want to be at a spot where I feel like I'm behind where I'm like, Oh my gosh, I got to get a guest this week or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's I just, my you know, life. That's my life. We're the complete opposite. Like I'm just like, yeah. Shooting from the hip. Here we yeah. <laughs> and every time I have people lined up to, to pre-record stuff, it's yep. like, uh, you know, Northern California lights on fire again, or, yeah, you know, some, or something, tra someone travels or I end up my work schedule flip flops, you know, like, Yep. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's no, it's hard. And I mean, I've been able to get it on rails to where that, and plus I don't, I, I don't really have to, I mean, I, I reach out to people and like, I get stuff done when I need to, but I don't necessarily feel the implication to, uh, you know, just like completely dip into my friends all of the time to be like, Oh, can you come on here and like help me out or yeah. whatever? Um, which is fine because like, that's what everybody needs to do. But yeah, so it's, it's really rewarding because for a multitude of reasons, one, I, I just feel like I'm doing an audio zine, you know, where it's like, it's documenting the punk and hardcore scene from all of these different people's perspectives, understanding that there are so many commonalities between all of our stories, but yep. people have done so many different things with them to the fact that, uh, you know, as adults, and I'm sure you experience this, like when you meet a new person and then they become, you become friendly with them and you're like 35, what are you gonna like hey can you fill me in the last like 34 years of your life <laughs> it's impossible and so yeah. i love getting the feedback from people saying i've known this person for 20 years or however long and i did not know the things about them that they shared in the show and i'm like mm -hmm. that's awesome it's great because it's a service like <laughs> it just and gets people yeah and that's why i wanted you on on the show because i do everything like nothing's like an interview like yeah. it's 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 you know uh, so, so, you know, Ray, I, I would imagine you haven't watched my first episode, which is completely fine. Yeah. I explained the part of the reason I started the show is like a couple of years ago, somebody, I was out somewhere with some friends and we were talking and I made a joke or like a comment to somebody and they were like, I don't know if I'm supposed to laugh or not. And I was like, that's a weird out of pocket comment. Like, why would you say that to me? And they're yeah. like, well, like, are you being Joel right now? Or are you being like pen up Joel, like promoter, Joel, like business Joel? And I was like, those are the same person and right. like the person i was talking to was like uh like you you act a certain way when you're at a show i'm like well yeah i'm responsible for hundreds of right. kids in a room and they yeah. were like no but like you have like a different persona and like you know and this this guy was thank god was proceeded to tell me that like to a lot of the younger kids and like new bands i had this like unapproachable like bitter old guy just like it wasn't even like a persona it was like a reputation and i was like Sure. I was like, do you know that I'm probably the first person in this room you could just come up to and have a beer with and we'd probably be best friends? Like, yep. yeah. I'm like, what you see is what you get. Like, I'm not, there's no layers here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? Totally. Yeah. So that's, that's why I started the show. And then, like, I love your stuff as well because it's like, it's all authentic. It's all real. Like, it's all, it's so stripped away and it's not like flashy, 
You know, like I can't listen to like all these podcasts with their super flashy intros and their their segues mm-hmm. to this and that and like you know, yeah. like I can't I love all the wrestling stuff, for example. Like I still watch wrestling, but so oh. many of those shows, it's like the episode's an hour long and there's five product placement ads of read course. off by the host and all this stuff. And I understand you gotta make your buck. I get it. Totally, totally. But like even like some of like the interviews, like it's also it, it feels like it's all like so scripted and not genuine, and I don't want that. Right. It's all, it's all, it's all based off of plugs and whatever. And like, again, that's part of the structure of it. But when you feel like you get to whether or not you like the person's art or whatever it is that they're doing, if you walk away with understanding them just a little bit more, that's, that's a win, you know, like that's, that's where you're like, I still hate their band or I still hate their art, but now I know where they're coming from a little bit more. And that's like really important. You know, you hit that, that explanation right on the head. Like, Cause there's so many people where I'm like, oh, I know you now. Like, yeah, we cool, we cool. Still totally. not gonna book your band, but we cool. Like- right? <laughs> yeah, and you and and even if you go the you know the extra mile where like you are booking them, you're like, I'm booking them out of the fact that I like I I can't get into your music at all, but there's enough there there for me to feel a connective tissue with you to be like, yeah, let's do a show together. Because yeah. like you know whatever you got into Pennywise when you were 13 years old or whatever, like that you'll yeah. There's enough for you to be able to feel like you actually have a connection with as opposed to, and I'm sure you've experienced this where it's like, you know, you, whatever you get asked to book certain bands or like, you know, publicists have taken certain people to me where it's like, this is no shots fired, but like, you know, it's like, Hey, do you want to have like Kellen from sleeping with sirens on your show? For one, I, I mean, I've never met Kellen. I don't know him beyond what I've seen on the cover of AP or whatever, but I'm like, I, I know enough about his history to know that it's like, you know, he really wasn't like a chain reaction kid or anything like that. Like it was like, you know, he had some connective tissue to obviously independent music, but like, I just didn't feel like I was going to be able to bring anything to the table that would be able to connect with him besides all the stuff he's been asked a million other times. And I'm like, yeah. I, so I would just, I just say no. And that's fine because this is my ultimately my decision in the same way that it's your decision to not book these certain bands where it's like, exactly it would be tempting for you to be like, Oh yes. Like I can do this because like, I know this will guarantee a certain amount of, you know, income or awareness or whatever it is you're looking for. But then yeah. it's like, well, this, is this actually going to be meaningful to me? Or is this just something I'm doing? You know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. there's, there's, you know, like there's a lot of the whole, I've, I, you know, over the years I've booked so many shows where it's like, I'm just doing the agent a favor. And sure. like, you know, this after pre post COVID, I'm not really doing that because I don't <laughs> care. Yeah. Right. Like I, there's no other way to say it. Like, like there's certain people where it's like, I like them. So I'll do them the favor, but like right. on paper, ah, oh shit, dude, someone on my size, I have no, nobody's, I don't have anybody standing over my shoulder helping me, you know, like my name is all I have. So when it comes to time for me to ask for favors to be called in nine times out of 10, I just get ignored, you know? Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm going to be more selective, you know, and you know, I, I had a realization last year that I'm hard to work with for some of these agents. Cause I'm used to my space. I'm used to you texting me. Hey, Joel, you want a book taken? This is how much money we want. And right. I'm like, yeah, here you go. Ray. Sure. Yeah. Let's boom. Like that's Enjoy. like, like I keep telling this story. Like one of, one of my friends, Daniel Defonce, he, he books a lot of death metal. Yep. You know, we actually booked at one of the last shows pen up did before the pandemic. We booked the tour over text message when I was drunk. Perfect. And so the band, the show, the show ends, blah, 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 blah. Like they come, they come up to settle. And I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to pay you. Like, don't you have an itinerary? And they're like, what? 
we didn't bring a TM this tour. And I was like, oh, okay. They're like, don't you have a contract? And I just laughed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, that's not how was, we roll. I was here. like, guys, yeah. I'm old. I was like, I'm old school. A, I don't sign contracts. Like I probably shouldn't put that out there on the internet, but I'm, I am now like, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter if I'm paying a band $10,000. I won't sign the contract. I just won't. I don't care. Like too sure. many, too many nightmare scenarios with that. And yeah, it's lost me some business, whatever, you know, uh, right. But, you know, like, I'm like, yeah, so I had to, you know, Dan lives in Texas. So I'm hit blowing him up at like, you know, two in the morning, his time, like, hey, we shouldn't do this anymore. And he's like, what? I'm like, if we're going to talk, confirm a show over the phone, you know, you should check my level of sobriety. And he just started laughing and he's like, I fucking hate you. All right. Like, this is what you got to pay everybody. You know, we were told we had a good laugh about it, but it was just like, I was like, but that's how I, I am. That's how I'm used to operating is like, that's yeah. all the friends and what you love. Like, you know, I know there are people that get into the business because they see it as a career and that's tight. But if you don't enjoy what you do, you're not, just being, well, it, become, it becomes a job and i mean that and that's fine like you said there's no shots against people that that want to work in the music industry mm-hmm. and pursue that as an overarching idea and then fall into these different pockets but there definitely comes a point where you have to figure out what route you're going to go whether it's like i'm just working with something that i'm passionate about and that's what i'm going to stick to or if i'm working i'm going to work with something that i'm less passionate about but then find some sort of you know careerist idea which again there's no problem with that that's just yeah. it you really have to diverge at that point and figure mm-hmm. out what's important for you yeah so so with your with your podcast who yep. are what's what's like can you give me a rundown because you have a lot of episodes you've been doing this a long time have, yes like four what, what's, episodes yeah what can you give me like your top like three or five like just guests you don't have to go into detail but who no, are like no. yeah yeah um yeah so there's uh i was really proud of the conversation i had years ago with davy havoc um just because it was um i mean everybody knows him and everybody has an opinion of him but like w- the way that we were able to have our conversation was very much like I mean, just hilarious stuff where it's like, dude, the only band you've ever been in is AFI. And that's weird. And he's like, yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> so just like being able to articulate certain things that yeah. no one typically talks to him about because like, you know, they just are are caring about dream car, whatever the newest thing that he's doing. Uh, so I was really proud of that conversation because he just was very, you know, open and transparent as like, you know, a hardcore kid to a hardcore kid. Cause ultimately that's yeah. what we view ourselves as. So I was really proud of that one. Um, I was stoked I had uh, so John K. Sampson from the Weaker Thans and Propagandi. I had to jump through hoops. <laughs> like li- he is a notoriously press shy dude. And like they're signed to Epitaph. And like, I mean, they haven't put out a, you know, Weaker Thans haven't put out a new record in forever. And John K. Sampson puts out his solo stuff. But yeah. just one of my favorite musicians of all time had to um like it, it was like for years i was trying to get him on the show and then finally my wife was like hey you've had chris from propagandi on would you maybe like would that he connect you and i was like sure i'll try that he did basically it was like i emailed john k sampson he wrote back and he was like yeah write me uh you know write me in six months because my house is getting redone i was like okay and then like literally six months of the day i was like hey what's up man like let's get you interested and yeah. uh, he was totally great. And like he had, I mean, I wasn't interviewing him in a press cycle or anything like that, yeah. but it was such a, it, it was so interesting because the first 10 or 15 minutes, like he was nervous because he doesn't, he hadn't done this. He doesn't do time. this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really, it was fun for me to kind of 
make him comfortable with the idea that like, dude, I just love your stuff and I want to know more about you. And so I was really happy and proud of that one just because it took like, I mean, it was literally like two years for me to try to like navigate that world. Um, I also really, really enjoy getting people who are not ostensibly on the outside connected to our world. Like what I like mm. to call secret punks. So like there's this really, really popular podcast called 99% Invisible hosted by this okay. guy named Roman Mars. Um, you know, arguably one of like the OGs of the podcast ecosystem as it were. And he was able to build this whole like independent network of podcasts. He's just done like when Kickstarter was early, he was like one of the most successful Kickstarters from a podcast perspective. Anyways, he has oh, all wow. this rad, yeah, all these rad credentials and his show is about basically architecture and, uh, you know, really interesting deep dives into all of these things that are, you know, just common in the world, but it's like, Hey, you should always stop and read the sign at a building because you don't know what that will reveal to will reveal to you. And then you'll learn all about this particular yeah. cool thing. Anyways, he just kind of, I, he, in like, you know, uh, interviews and other places, he's kind of sprinkled some sort of punk rock knowledge where it's been like, Oh, he's mentioned like dead Kennedys and black flag. Like I have a feeling this guy knows what's up. And then I hit him up independently and he was like, he was like, Oh yeah, I'd love to talk about music. Cause I, I you know, the way that I approach people is very much like, I don't want to talk to you about like architecture or your thing. Like I will talk about your thing, but not about your thing. <laughs> I want to yeah. know about you yeah. similar to what you're doing here. And, exactly. uh, yeah, exactly. So then he came on the show. It was amazing because it was like he talked about like Discord being his favorite label and how he modeled everything he has done in his life professionally around that idea and that DIY notion. Tons of connections with him, punk and hardcore. And my That's favorite amazing. part, yeah, it was it was like like I don't know, 45, 50 minutes in the conversation. He just was like, What like wait, I like I'm straight edge. Like it just was like it was a realization. It was like a 45-year-old guy where it's just like, oh yeah, like I guess I'm still straight edge. Like I and you know, I never really claimed it, but it was just so funny. Here's this guy, yeah. you know, like again, no one on the outside would think that he has a connection. Like a secret legend. Yeah. Dude, it's great. And so th those are just off the top of my head, those are some really fun. And that's why I like being able to show that even if you have been, you know, doing something completely different than like working in the music industry, working at a record label, playing in a band or whatever, you can still have all this connective tissue that you've learned from all those stupid sweaty rooms you've been in where you're like, oh yeah, like treating people ethically, like that's a good thing. <laughs> and like you take yeah. it forward in your life and it's yeah, so, yeah. so cool. Yeah, so I'm, I'm gonna interject with the story. You brought Please. up Davey Havoc. I love Davey, I love getting to tell this story. Everybody, you remember the band, everybody in the area, my local area remembers the band Moria. Um, of course, Steve, the bass player lived with me for a couple of years. So I'm really close with a lot of those dudes. Mm -hmm. Um, I booked, you know, I never did a lot of hardcore when I was younger. Like we had sure. another guy, you know, Spencer from at risk, but yep. you know, he did, he did most of the hardcore shows when I, when I was starting to do the metal score shows. So we just kind of like kept it a little separate. wasn't a big deal. Yeah. You know, um, I got hit up. We did like, we had like four promoters all team up. Do you remember when like, Ash started TKO booking and like really ramped up the, the presentation of our style of music. And yep. they did that firestorm fest with earth crisis. Of course it was like earth crisis, terror, shy halud recon down yep. to nothing. I definitely remember that. Yep. There's one other band I'm forgetting, but it doesn't matter. Yep. So I was like, shit, like I was the dude that just shows at the 418 or the vets hall. You know, I don't, you want me to get a room that holds 
almost a thousand people to do this tour. Like, so me and a bunch of pro promoters, we like four way teamed up on it. Long story short, we did it at the legendary Phoenix theater in Petaluma. Oh yeah. Which most people listening, if you don't know this, uh, AFI specifically Davey is actually from this like little tiny middle of nowhere town and in, in way up in Northern California, um, near Petaluma. I'm mm -hmm. not going to rat him out and say what it is that, cause you can use Google, yeah. but, um, he came to the show and like, I don't fanboy. Like I, even at that stage of my career, like that was still probably my first six, eight years of being a promoter. Mm -hmm. I was like very hard for me to, to fanboy about anything or fangirl, not, you know, want to be inclusive with the term. Sure. And I was like, fuck Davies at my show. Holy shit. Blah, 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 blah. Never said a word to him. Like, yep. like I, I wanted to, but I was like, you know, I'm, he wants to be here as a, he, he didn't, he paid. He showed up and paid for the show. Of course, dude. Like, He's gonna mosh the Earth Crisis. He that's absolutely dude, okay. So that's where I'm getting. Yeah. So we're we're down there. The show took a minute to fill up. It finally filled up. Show did pretty well. We only lost a little bit of money. I don't care about that though. That that was an experience. Like I mean, I can say I booked freaking Earth Crisis. You know what I mean? Right. Like and Shy Halud, Matt Fox is is will ever be like top ten people in the music industry to me. Like. Yeah. Just that quirky old nerd guy. Like I love oh, him. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, so so we do the show. Earth Crisis starts playing. They start playing Firestorm. All right. I like I'm like in the pit. I'm like I'm gonna watch the band. You know, from out from there. Like instead of my little promoter perch. You know, and no joke. Davey Havoc just comes running right by me into the pit. Steve from Moria is moshing. Davey spin kicks and almost just takes his head off. And then. You know, swings back and hits him right in the gut, and I immediately see Steve pop up, not knowing who it is, and he just goes to swing at the dude, and I just like I have never had to restrain my own friend at a show, and I just like like from a movie like a bouncer movie like arms back, and I just like yanked him backwards. I'm pretty sure that's what I did, Steve. If that's not how it went down, I apologize. Yeah. Um, and I was like, that's Davey Havoc, and he's like, oh, I almost got knocked out by Davey Havoc, and I was like. No, you almost got knocked out by Davey Havoc at my show. And we both just were like, this is tight. Yeah, like, that was the end of, that was like the end of the experience. Davey left. I didn't say a word to him. Like, like, but what am I gonna do? Hey man, I put on the show, it's rad you're here. I love your band. No, that's awkward. You just wanted to come and enjoy a you night of hardcore. Him. Yeah. Oh, dude, so. he's I mean, yeah, he, he anytime Earth Crisis plays the greater Southern California area, he will always be there. He will always be singing, mosh like moshing so hard like you know he's moshing like he's 18 years old even though he's it's, it's literally i don't use the very much it's ludicrous like seeing him yes. at a show like that is is actually ludicrous because you're like right he should like yeah like he he shouldn't shouldn't ostensibly be doing that but like he <laughs> i mean it's 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 just so it's so great because like that's yeah forever locked into that mental framework of like this is who i am and this will always be who I am because this is so important to the core of my being. And it's just like, that's great. Like he'll add, he'll add all these different layers as he grows older and as he does all of these wild, crazy things. And it's just like, it's great, man. You, you're able to travel in so many circles and then ultimately still be a straight edge hardcore kid that loves Earth Crisis. Dude, I love it. I li yeah, literally. And like, I mean, yeah. you know, everything he does with like his other projects now too, yeah. it's just like, and to hear that he just comes and circles back to Earth Crisis. Like, I love it. Oh yeah, absolutely. He just he, all he does is add different layers and just mm -hmm. like, you know, I, I like to say that we contain multitudes and that's exactly yeah. what we do. We all just add different layers to our, you know, being our interests and like, I mean, well, that's ideally what you should do. Like you shouldn't just be yeah. 
stuck in a certain thing and just yeah. only being that thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like I, like, so like, you know, I don't, you know, you follow me on socials. I don't talk about pop punk, you know, yeah. I missed that movement. Let's just <laughs> yeah. put it delicately. Sure. Um, but I am a sucker. Like, I, I don't know where it is. I literally have a framed picture of the actual photo of the blue skies album covered by the Ataris. So we got the book down a few years ago and everybody was like, Oh, like this is cool. Who's this band? Some people didn't know. Some people did. Some people were stoked, but like, I am always like in the shadows or like a stage, you know, you know, a stage potato as they call them these days at my shows, you know, I was like upfront crying, like singing with Chris Rowe. And everybody was like, that was really cool to see you enjoy a show. I think I also you like the Ataris. I'm like, uh like, who doesn't? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have you listened like, to Blue Guys, right? <laughs> yeah, dude. That that record is like that and so long a story. Like, I'm sorry. Like everyone's heard their their Bob Dylan cover. You know what I mean? Wait, yeah, it's Bob Dylan, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm no, not, I'm not. The, the the Don Hen- the Don Henley. Sorry, the, sorry yeah. Don Henley. Yes, That's yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, boys, boys of summer. Yeah, no, boys of he, summer. Yeah, he used to. Uh, I dated a girl that lived in Santa Barbara. Like this is when I was in high school. I uh, she she was older, so then she went to Santa Barbara for college, and so I would always go up and visit her. Uh, thankfully, my mom was permissive, and she allowed me to do that and have sleepovers. But uh, it was he worked at a record store uh, on, and I'm totally blanking on the name of the store, but he worked at a record store up in Santa Barbara, and like you would go in there and just be like. There's Chris Rowe. <laughs> this was like, it was after you know Blue Skies, so you know well known. But uh, yeah. yeah, he just worked at a at a record store. That was always funny. Dude, yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay, so so I'll, let's talk about high school, Ray. Like, how did you? So you're you're older than me, you know. Yes. But you 40, also 40 years like, old. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So you're five years older than me. You got into like relatively, like if we both go back in time, you got into hardcore at a much younger age than I did. I think I'm not gonna say that that's for sure. Yeah, I got I got into it. Like, I mean, my trajectory of getting into independent minded music was, you know, not too dissimilar to a lot of people. Like, I, I didn't get into it via skateboarding, even though skateboarding. Like, you know, I tried to do it, but I wasn't good at it. So I never like went down that road, but it was, uh, you could not live in Southern California and not be exposed to all of the, you know, cause whatever being 40 years old in the early nineties, like it was, you know, bands like offspring and green day were inescapable, especially because we had such a good radio station in the form of K rock. And, you know, I got into like rage against the machine and all of that stuff via, it wasn't necessarily K rock, but it was 120 minutes on MTV. Um, oh, okay, yeah. I just remember watching those videos that were played that were obviously not played during the daytime because there's no way that they could play Killing in the Name <laughs> during the day. So, yeah, for those for those of you young people watching the show, videos, right? And MTV did not start like they did an hour of music videos when they first started. It was all like pop culture and like it was everything but music on a music television channel. If that makes any sense. Yeah, and then it they, then it then it like progressed into more and more and more actual music. Yeah, it knows it's wild, and it's funny too because the uh, so the CEO of iHeart is a guy named Bob Pittman. He started MTV, and it's just like it's so sick to hear him tell just these little nuggets of stories and like our you know all hands meetings and stuff to be like he started MTV, dude. Like, why are you still working? <laughs> it's just it's so crazy. You're like you started something that is like so culturally significant 
and you know you still care about this you still care about media but uh yeah anyways but yeah definitely like mtv radio huge in my like you know early teens yeah and then uh, you know getting into the you know epifat <laughs> scene you know, that was inescapable you know rancid all that sort of stuff and then i re- i distinctly remember because they're obviously record stores you know, were plentiful back in the early 90s and mid 90s and yes. I picked up the first victory style compilation and that oh, was okay. like, yeah, that was my introduction to, uh, you know, straight edge hardcore. Like I had heard minor threat and I had heard descendants. I had heard stuff that was a little bit like harder edge than everything that I was just talking about. Um, but it wasn't until I got into those bands, strife, earth crisis, you know, dead guy guilt, like everything that victory is doing. Like I, once I found that label, I worshiped at their altar. Like yeah. there <laughs> I, I so distinctly remember it was like probably one or two Christmas holidays. I basically gave my mom the victory catalog with all this stuff circled where I was like, mom, can you just order all this stuff for me so I can unwrap an earth crisis long sleeve in front of my grandma? It's like, it was just, what am I doing? But that was, I was so stoked on that. Yeah, um, no, I, I get it. Yeah, no, for sure. And so, yeah, that was, that was my trajectory. And then it was, so it was, it was probably around, 15 or 16 when I started to like actually go to hardcore shows. Like, I mean the first hardcore show that I went to by myself without like, you know, my parents dropping me off or whatever was at the showcase theater in Corona, California, which I know you're well aware of. Um, rest, rest in power. Exactly. To, our, to yeah. California's longtime friend. Legendary venue. Uh, but yeah, I was, uh, it was uh strife sick of it all. Um, I want to say actually AFI played it too. Um, and then I think it was, I may have been good riddance. I'm misremembering, but regardless, like that was the first show that I went to like independently. Cause I loved strife and it was like, strife was so huge to me. Like, I'll never forget. <laughs> it was like watching them. It was like them and voodoo glow skulls, the glass house in Pomona, California and Rick Rodney. That's, that's a weird lineup. Dude, that was strife. Like strife would play with anybody and they yeah. went and they went over well with everybody, mm-hmm. even though they were, fully X'd up and like, you know, we're very confrontational about straight edge, like not in a violent way, but just like we're straight edge. You should know it. <laughs> yeah. No, they, 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 they were the, they, I know about straight edge because of that band. Dude, for exactly. sure. And they, but I remember Rick Rodney, the vocalist of strife was, uh, you know, I was up front for strife, just waiting for them. And then Rick Rodney was like, he, like, he, was like, he turns around to the people in the front row and he was like, does anybody have a Sharpie? Like he needed an X up and I had a Sharpie and I was like, here you go, Rick, here's your Sharpie. And he next up and then he gave it back to me. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is the coolest. This is the pinnacle that I'll yeah. ever experience in the music industry <laughs> or not even, I'm going to call it the industry, just the show going. Yeah. Like, yeah. Going, but yeah, that was oh my, my so that was my trajectory. And then as you well know, once you open up the rabbit hole, it was just, it, but the thing that I'm really grateful about is the fact that, I didn't feel like I necessarily needed to stick to one lane where it was like, mm, okay. even though I will always self-identify as a hardcore kid. Um, I, you know, I would like would go to punk shows or I'd go to ska shows. And a lot of that was definitely a symptom of the nineties in general, yeah. but I, like being able to, you know, once I started to like book shows, being able to, you know, go to places like Coos Cafe and see such a wide variety of bands and then obviously getting into, you know, emo and indie and seeing all of these things, but feeling home at every single one of these shows, even though, you know, at a Get Up Kids show, I'd be wearing whatever, an Earth Crisis shirt. And like at an Earth Crisis show, I'd be wearing a Get Up Kids shirt. What Like those are all fine. And I just, I felt, I was really thankful that I was able to do that because 
it just broadened my musical horizons much more, you know? Yeah. Well, and I miss those days. And like, I'm a big fan of the, like lots of bands, lots of genres and kids are not as receptive to it these days. And it like yeah. bums me out. Like, I mean, I remember when I was young, uh, at, it came to the pound. You probably remember the tour. I don't remember the second band. Okay. okay. But it was the freaking tour, which made no sense at all was terror. Okay. BT bam. Oh, sure. Someone else and stretch Armstrong opened. <laughs> yeah. Like what is a pop puck band doing? Okay. I consider stretch Armstrong a pop punk band. I know they're like a hardcore. They're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They toe the line, but pop adjacent. Is, yeah, yeah. But what, yeah, what the hell is Stretch Armstrong doing opening for BT Band? Like, I, yeah. like, I was like, I wish I could remember the fourth man on that bill. It was like probably every time I die or Scarlet, one of those two bands. I feel like, yeah, yeah, no, that's that's very appropriate. But no, I, I like it. Definitely was. I mean, I remember a tour that actually we played the pound. It was taken between the buried and me, Alexis on fire, and it dies today. And that was like our first real national tour, and that was like probably 2001 and it was it was so cool because like us and alexis on fire were yeah. melodic and then obviously you had it dies today and between the berry to me because this between the berry to me we were talking like self-titled record you know like we're oh, this shit. was pre-silent circus and it dies today it only had their first ep out i was gonna say was that og it dies today oh dude this was this was you know forever oh, so Stored. So, yeah. so like quite possibly the greatest metalcore band of all time yes that six song ep like <laughs> I mean, it was, it was like, we were so excited because all the bit, like, even though we didn't, we were friends with Alexis and we knew the, it dies today guys. We didn't know the, the BT bam guys at all, but it was like, everybody got along so swimmingly well. And it was like one of the most fun to Like I distinctly remember for it dies today, Nick, the vocalist, we would actually, because they were so, you know, over the top and ignorant in regards to their mosh parts. And of course, every good singer has called mosh call outs. We would give him, ridiculous call outs like we would just be like all right let's see let's see how far nick can get away with this and there was one where I, I i don't know why i remember this but like in reno we were like dude how about you just say like you know before one of your breakdowns like you know punch each other's dicks off <laughs> and then it was just like punch each other's dicks off. and it, it, we all were losing our minds because oh my god it's so good but yeah have you ever seen have you ever seen okay i have to bring this up because you're like yeah. one of the only people that might actually remember or yeah. and will think it's funny Okay. Uh, have you ever seen that fucking like I, I, it's not a meme it's like a straight up flyer and it's okay. scott vogel for president oh, no, i don't know oh no. my god okay i need to text my friend brandon because i think he's the one who who originated this is like back in the okay. myspace days it was like scott vogel for president somebody took the terror logo and like okay. it's a picture of scott like you know doing his jump on stage with the mic and he they made everything red white and blue okay and all of the selling points on why you should vote for Scott Vogel for president were all, I mean, you know, the term. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say not, not everybody gets that. They, all the selling points were like Vogelisms, like is one with the underdogs. We'll help. We'll help you push your problems away. I was like, Oh my God. Like I really, I love it. I mean, I, to this day, like Scott is, one of the best front men that gets me pumped up. Oh, but at the cute. same time, I love yep. when he's like, get the fuck up here. This mic's your mic. This stage is your stage. You know, yep. get yep. on the mic, sing the part. This song's called, you know, this song's yep. called keep your mouth shut. I'm like, but you Wait, hold on. I'm like, you just, you just fuck. That's, fuck. That's a contradiction in terms, yeah. my friend, but we're fine. We're yeah, fine. Or, yeah. or when he's like, everybody pile up here, we're going to play, push it away. And I'm like, but you, 
Scott, damn it. Oh, all right. Yeah. I'll try, to, I'll try to find that picture for you, Ray, and send it to you because you'll please, die, please. dude. I, no, it was it's, like, it's great. When they had the yeah. Vogelism, when they had the Vogelism's website where you could just refresh and a new Vogelism would pop up. Um, I remember it because I actually, I, it, of course, had him on the podcast, you know, years ago and I asked him yeah. about that. I was like, you know, how do you feel about that? And he was like, yeah, it's kind of, you know, he's like, I mean, he just kind of brushed it away. But, you know, you could tell that he, in some respects, I'm sure thought it was funny because it's like, dude, the, like the reason that people do this about you is because you are unbelievable at what you do. Like, yeah, you're fucking Scott Vogel. You know what I mean? Like ugh. it totally. No, for sure. He's yeah, he's he's I mean, one for the ages, like every band that he's ever played in where you're just like, you're you you're great. Like you do it yeah. across the board in everything that you've played in from despair all the way to world be free. It's like, it's great. Mm. It's all great. You brought up despair. I didn't expect to, we're, we're, oh, we're no, old we now, right? We're old now. Oh dude. Yeah. Whatever, man. You can, you can, you can throw any irrelevant metalcore <laughs> band at me and I'll be like, Oh yeah, let's talk about that full length for t- two hours. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. I, so, so the first time, so, you know, Oh God, I can talk to you about this band. You're like the only guest I've ever had that we can talk about this band. You want to know who got me in to metalcore and hardcore, Ray? Let's go. I was crushing hard in high school on this girl. Okay. Her name was Hillary. Okay. She and I had a common interest in the nerve agents. Oh, of course, dude. Eric goes. Dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I found out about I listened to TSOL. And someone was like, oh, they're kind of like a goth punk band. I had never heard that classification before. Because sure. in Santa Cruz, everything was just punk or skater punk. There was no <laughs> subgenres. Like in right. Santa Cruz yeah. growing up, that's what it was. It was like, yeah. oh, yeah, it's thrash, metal, punk, or skater punk. Like even growing up, I didn't know the word. I didn't hear the word hardcore music till I was like in high school. Sure. So, sure. so sh- I heard about this band called The Original TSOL. I met this girl. We were crushing hard. So we talked about nerve agents. We went and saw them together. We went, we both did an exchange trip to France. Okay. And so, you know, I'm on the plane with her and I'm like, I need to just do whatever I can to impress this lady. You know what I mean? Oh, which, right. which by the way, this never worked out in my favor, but that's not the point. Um, and she was like, Hey, well, I brought some other music on the plane. Like if you get bored, like I'll give you some stuff to listen to. I think you'd really like, and I was like, okay, whatever. So like, you know, and I'm like nerve agents. If you've never listened to nerve agents, folks, I, I can't, express how wonderful that band is just like, listen to, just listen to days of the white owl that full length is just like i mean all their stuff is great but that days of the white owl yeah. and the butterfly collection for that matter but still both, both are yeah days of the white owl though is like that's like <laughs> so top good. five top five punk records for me for sure oh it's great absolutely and so she we're going she's showing me this music i didn't like a lot of this stuff she showed me <laughs> and then she fucking slides me poison the well man oh why do your eyes paralyze me yeah, and I was just like, that, "That's it. Like, yeah. I'm out. I'm out." I I loved. I I mean that that particular era too that ushered in you know whatever the ninety nine to two thousand three where it's like obviously so many of those bands were able to reach beyond the typical person that would like attend a hardcore show and obviously like yes. a lot of this was also tied up with the advent of the internet and that becoming more, you know, present in most people's lives, but being like having those touch point bands where you can play a poison the well, and a person would understand it better than just listening to like a totally, you know, dissonant hardcore band, like where they're just like, I don't get any of this. And I I loved that all, like so many of those bands were able to bring the scene to like, 
such high levels that you know if they didn't exist then it wouldn't it would have maybe taken longer to get there or whatever but yeah i just yeah. love i love that area for sure yeah i saw um a retweet the other day i think it was actually yesterday it was some some you know there's a lot of young kids into hardcore and punk right now which i think is amazing yep and one of them goes i just i just learned the most the most mind-blowing fact you know she used some in-depth adjective like that you know sure. like b- big adjective she's like that you know the band that we're used to seeing play stadiums avenge sevenfold used to play garage shows with all your favorite hardcore bands and i was like we're officially to that point where like the gap is larger than i thought mm-hmm. because i remember when avenge sevenfold was one of the better like mainstream metalcore bands and now they're you know nothing like that at all but that's not I mean, the point. yeah right but the, i mean they're like a mainstream rock band but like that was like always the vision and trajectory of where they wanted to ultimately end up like it just happened to be that they were you know metal and and punk kids from huntington mm-hmm. beach or whatever but their their vision was always like we're going to be playing in front of 10,000 people as opposed yeah. to 50 at Coos Cafe with a smoke machine. And like, yeah. people are like, who are all these posers? Like, this is stupid. Yeah, exactly. But that was, yeah, but that that's it. And it is interesting to look at those different, uh, you know, inflection points for people at certain eras to be like, I, I honestly, it's like, I think about this in regards to straight edge too, because people using Davy, I mean, it sounds like we're like Davy worship here, but like there are people who, their sole exposure to straight edge was specifically because of Davey Havoc or specifically because of P- CM Punk, where it's like, you know, people of a certain era were like, what do you mean you didn't hear about straight edge via minor threat or whatever, or like yeah. anything cloud youth of today? Like, but that like, of course, like that makes total sense where this is this person's inflection point as opposed to anything else of a different era. And like, if you don't have those things where it's like, you know, have heart, it's like, that's great. Like if you hear about straight edge via have heart and you're 13 years old, sick great yeah great like we'll we'll welcome you in with open arms and i think that to your point that's exactly the same way as like you know getting hit with poison the well at a certain time getting hit with that at the right age it's great and i I don't think people realize like how much of an impression that really can leave in your brain so like um do you know are you familiar with sean mott do you know who that is sean who sean mott Mm, he's a straight straight guy from the east coast he does the metalcore nerds podcast that i'm on a lot he, oh, he's, okay. he's, he's a graphic designer. He played in that band Ghost Ship for a little bit. Oh, I of course. I I, yes, I do remember that band. Yes, yep. yes. so Ghost X Ship, to be specific. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. yeah, he was the guitar player. So him and I, we always have this like ludicrous, well, it's not ludicrous. It is ludicrous argument. So like my inflection point was Poison Noel, as I said to you. So yep. for example, one of the great like post-metalcore records, I guess we could say, of of the g- generation is generally considered define the great line by under oath. Right. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can't listen to that record mm-hmm. because my, to me, the first metalcore band that graduated to mature music was poison. The well. Yeah. So when I hear define the great line, even though they sound nothing alike, it's them ripping off. It's a, it's a pale version of what you deem to be the record that you got introduced to. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's, it's to me, it's just them ripping off. Oh gosh. It's just them ripping off. You come before you, you know what I mean? And I'm like, personal did it first and did it better. And people are like, dude, that record sounds nothing like to find the great line. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, but if you listen to everything under oath did before that record, like, do you see what I'm, they're like, Joel, a thousand bands have made that switch. And I'm like, you're not getting it. Like, yeah, Poison the Well was the first 
well, okay, them and 18 Visions. Okay, both did the drastic sound change. But sure. I think PTW did it first, right? I would say. Yeah, I mean, Van- Vanity was obviously the biggest shift for 18V. And that was probably... I mean, it was definitely around the same era. I don't know, year-wise, like 2003, yeah. 2004. But yeah, still, I, it's funny because Define the Great Line for me, I basically looked at them being like, okay, we love bands like Neurosis and Isis. We'll never be as cool as them, but we want to incorporate like the how dark that record is for where they were at in their career and making that huge sonic shift. Yeah. That's what I attribute it to more so than that i mean of course they were clearly influenced by point like there's no bones about that (laughs) yeah but but listening to the record i was like oh i see you guys wanted to take this you know even further down the rabbit hole of being like and this is no shots against you know under oath but being like showing their homework to bands like isis to be because i i know for a fact that under oath like after they, you know, were obviously on the trajectory of being, you know, one of the largest bands in that scene, they were asking bands like Cult of Luna and Isis to tour with them because they're like, we'll be able to expose you to this huge audience and it'll be great for you guys. And like bands like Isis were like, we're good, man. <laughs> and like, not because they're like, we're better than your fans, but they're just like, this is, doesn't, this just doesn't make sense for us. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Exactly. And so, but, but to your, to your point, I think it really, all depends on like the lens that you're viewing it through, you know, and like what very, like, very fair like, point. But you're but you're very right where it's like this this shift between records that bands make, it's like you know, Caven can be you know pointed to directly where it's just like, oh, here's this, and then now they're a space rock band. Like, I guess that's what we're doing. Um, but you know, like they were able to telegraph that in between with the creative eclipses EP where you mm-hmm. could have like a little sense of like, okay, they're not going heavier, they're going softer. Yeah. So I need to be ready for this. But like Under Oath obviously didn't do that. They were just like, hey, we're going to be even darker and heavier, but yet more melodic. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. See, and I'm, I'm a sucker. Like, I don't like to talk to people about Under Oath because, you know, the changing of times is the only Under Oath record. <laughs> yeah, that's that's I like, mean, that, that is the definitive record for sure. Yes. For the people listening, if you haven't figured it out, I have a giant black hole of weakness in my heart for keyboard breakdowns if anybody hasn't figured that out (laughs) like i've talked about horse the band on this show so many times talked about now we're talking about under oath everyone knows my history with arsonists like you know if you know like when's a plague like dude johnny i love that guy like i don't care i'm good (laughs) yeah i don't i don't like you know young joel when i found out about when's a plague i was like oh this is heavy and angry and there's a keyboard. Yeah, oh, tell dude, me more. Like, let's let let's rip, dude. Let's go. Let's right. go. Yeah. I love I love that band's I had a guest on here. Who was it? It was somebody from like a metal band. We talked about Winds of Plague and I blew their mind by explaining to him. Do you remember their old name, Ray? Do you, Dece- do you remember? December something or other. I uh, a bleak December. There you go. Yeah. And of I course, was like because they cuz Andrew the bassist was at Taken shows being like here, dude, can we play with you? And it was like, you know, I was like, who? I, of course, like, I know, <laughs> like we, we don't. I don't have that much pull to like get you on all of our shows. Um, yeah, yeah. But I'll, but I'll take this. But yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what happened so many times where it's like you just totally. I mean, I didn't write the band off, but I just didn't take anything seriously because it's just a kid giving you a demo at a show, like completely unprofessionally. And of course, years later, I made fun of Andrew for it, where I was just like. 
yeah. it, and then he turned the tables on me. He's like, do you remember I gave you demos? I was just like, oh yeah. Oh, that's right. You were not called Winds of Plague at that time. But yes, I do remember. Yes. You're like, that was when you had that other band name. Like, oh yeah, exactly. Well, it's like, that's, I mean, you know, every, everybody has to do that. Everybody has to play. I mean, in my opinion, you have to, you know, if your first band is like really good right away, it's like, I, you know, I almost don't trust you. I'm like, I, know. I don't know about again, that. Again, yeah. not to be a fanboy, but back to Davey Havoc, how has AFI your only band? Like it's because they, I mean, clearly if you listen to, you know, answer that and stay fashionable and their most recent release, like that's like 20 bands in between. So, but the fact that it's still called AFI is not wrong. I remember, I remember when, uh, Oh Jesus. What was it? The album after out of drowning. Why am I having a brain fart on what it's called? Sing the sorrow. Oh, okay. I remember when that came out and people were like, turn their backs. No, this is the AFI. I'm like, there's a breakdown. What are you talking about? Like, how do yeah. you like right. Davy? Davy just asked for 60 extras to, to hardcore dance in their video. Like they're exposing the culture to the mainstream audience. Like what, how are yeah. you upset? Like what? Right. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Some people, some, pe- some people uh, don't like change, Joel. Like I still, I still listen to the, the only album I can't get into that they did is crash love. So yeah, a lot, a lot of people drop off there, but you know, that's, it, but it, the new stuff, the, what the blood record or whatever the last, not, oh, not yeah, the most yeah. recent one. I, I I actually thought it was really good, but I'm also, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a sucker for nine inch nails. So yeah. anytime Davey does anything even remotely similar to nine inch nails, I'm like, just inject <sighs> it into my body. Yeah. please. Tell me more. Like, yeah. I'm here. Yeah. So, well, dude, Ray, that is, that is so, so. You know, you started going to shows. When did Taken happen? Like, what's the truth? How did that happen? How was being like in the OC scene? And you got to like, I love talking to the Fate Thirteen guys because they're like, oh yeah, all the bands that these kids are all stoked on now. Like, we we grew up playing with. Like, oh yeah, you, you existed in such a rare and lucky hemisphere. Totally. Of bands. And, yeah, being in being in Orange County. Yeah. So Taken started. Uh, the first band I played in was Doom Society. It was, of course, terrible. You can easily close your eyes and hear what we sounded like, which was just a bad punk band. Uh, but the drummer of Taken was in that, and the bassist, uh, Nick, that now plays in Circus Survive, was also in it, because we all went to high school together. Um, and so that Taken officially, I think, started, I think we started practicing in, like, 98 or so. And then 99 is when we actually, like, played our first show uh, at Showcase with uh, Adamantium and A Day in the Life, which was a day in life was, like, a terrible VOD ripoff. But um, that your first show was with Adamantium? Dude, we were thrilled. I and mean, yeah, it was we I mean we oh, of course we were like one of five. Like, you know, we were just Yeah, but who cares? Like how no, like, that's that's a totally was so yeah. thrilling. This this was like I don't think they had re- they were just playing off of their demo still. I don't think they had released their first seven inch. It was very early on in their band life. But um yeah, so 99, basically we were most active 99 between two yeah, 99 and to 2004. And it was just so cool to exist, obviously, in the Orange County scene as all of those bands started to explode because yeah. we for sure did not reach any levels of like, well, obviously, we're like bleeding through and all those bands, but we were carving our own lane of just like, oh, yeah, like we're not as heavy as these bands. We're not as like, you know, uh, melodic as these other bands, but we were able to play with all of them and coexist and then obviously draft off of not only their success, but then also just be able to create our own, like it it, it was playing all of those shows with like, you know, just like a local show and drawing like 600 people to chain reaction when there was no touring bands in the same way that you experienced that sort of stuff where it's just like, Oh dude, we got, you know, uh, you know, embrace the end and arsonist get all the girls playing together. And it's just like, wow, wow. We got 
300 people showing up here. And <laughs> I was like, wow, this Thank is you. Thank you for mentioning literally the most underappreciated Northern California band of all time Embrace the end. I don't, I don't know why. Like I just, dude, I, I, I literally signed them to century media. And, I know. I remember. Yeah, I remember. I and I it just, it, it, I, I still legitimately listen to those records and I'm like, I'm like, I'm no shame in trying to get that band out to the world because they are still like still slay. But um, like, I, like I love killing the dream. Don't get me wrong. Great. But yeah. like embrace the end should have come out on top. Like, like no, no, dis- no disregard to ceremony. You know, all those <laughs> bands from that era that yeah, made it yeah, yeah. that are still here. I would trade all of them in for embrace the end. I am so, so I don't even care if that gets me in some hot water, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like, give me, give me, give me, set it straight back and give me embrace the end back. Like I will take both those bands over, over everyone else from that era. Like, yeah, the, no, I, I, Hey, that, 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 that you can, you can completely wave that flag. I mean, I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that because those bands continue to exist, like, you know, ceremony obviously still exists. So it's like, okay, this is old hat. I would rather see embrace the fair, fair, Very fair. Very but still, fair. Uh, your, your point is taken, but yeah, uh, uh, taken. Ha <laughs> pardon. But uh, uh, the, yeah. So the nine and 2004 is essentially when we, you know, were the most active in touring and, you know, doing all our stuff that we did. Yeah. Yeah, I, I and I see. I graduated high school in two thousand four, so like I, didn't, I, I actually never got to go to Jim Dandy's because my parents and high school and life and whatnot. So like, yep, I didn't. I didn't start going to shows till the pound. Okay. Yeah, you know, we, like, and we yeah, I mean, and we fortunately did play the pound, but yeah, we we started. I mean, I want to say the last time we played there was probably two thousand three or something. Um, you know, but we did. I mean, we just tried to do as much as we humanly could you know because a lot i mean some of them were in college like we were all just we all built our lives around the band where it's like we had you know i mean i was fortunately working at a record store where i could tour and come back and have a job like we all built our lives around it um but then you know i mean like there was no path to sustainability of like oh we got to make a career out of this i mean we were on the precipice of doing in my opinion, what it would have been the logical next step of like, we could have broken out to maybe a wider audience. Like we were going to sign with the militia group and there was all this oh, wow. like, cool, yeah, there was all this like cool stuff headed in our direction, but then, you know, real life gets in the way and that's when we lost members. And then, you know, we, there was no reason for us to continue under that moniker. So yeah. it's, it's so, it's so crazy when you talk to older people like us about how close, like, I didn't know that with the militia group about taken like Moria, for example, to bring them up again that when they broke up they had a contract from metal blade yeah it's and it was and it was a good it was a good one like it was a good one. <laughs> like it was like do you remember metal blade for a while did that like oh okay we're established but we're gonna take a chance on these younger bands and like give them a better deal than they'd probably get somewhere else oh so it, it wasn't like yeah yeah. It, yeah it wasn't like a huge record deal but for at the time it was like they had that and it was like like dude we're all in college like we can't only one of us can commit to this, you know? Yeah. And it's totally. like, and then the more and more people I talk to, it's a story just like that or your guys's, you know, mm-hmm. or it's just like, you know, sometimes fate deals you a different hand, you know? Right. And it was, it was never because there was, even though there was a lot of excitement around that particular world, like it just, it, there was not enough they're there to be like, is this going to be something that we can quote unquote rely on? Yeah. Um, and it's like, and, and it's fine because it's like everything that we were able to accomplish with the limited means of what we had, it was like, I can't, 
I, the fact that people still bring that up, it's just like, you shouldn't care about this. Like the fact that we can put out an EP in 2018 and have people still be engaged with that. It's like, dude, come on. Like, that's just dumb. Like it was incredible, which was incredible by the way. And, and I appreciate that because it's, we didn't, we put a lot of thought and effort into it and every, like, we didn't want, I mean, not like there was this like, Oh, we're going to tarnish our legacy. <laughs> we were just like, we don't want to put something out that like bumps people out. To just, yeah. Like, you yeah, don't want to put out something that sucks. Like No, right. It's like, we just want to put something out that will impact the people that need to know about it. And then if there's other people that join along or like, oh, I didn't even know you guys were a band, which is we totally got that. Like every time we played a show, we're <laughs> like, you know, playing a show with like, you know, Sayosin or Atreyu or whatever. And people would be like, hey, when are you guys playing another show? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Like when our friends ask no. us, like, yeah, you're yeah. like, uh, probably never. Yeah. Uh, are you, are you touring anytime soon? It's like, absolutely not. No, <laughs> like unless you fly to Japan, like, yeah, that's, that's probably, that's all we got going. <laughs> yeah. It's, I love but, that. But, it, but it's, it, it's fun to be able to still be active with that. And then obviously ultimately that people still care about it. And we're just like, this mm. is great. That's I love that. And I'm so happy for you, especially. Thank you, man. Like you're you're a good person and you have so many good things to say. Like you're it's so hard. Like everyone, especially from our time frame, the the PMA gets brought up a lot still, but yeah. it's hard to live it. It's hard to like you're one of the few people I feel like I say that's still in my sphere where you're like you you are a whole like you're just such a good positive person and you've stayed that way. Like life's thrown you curveballs and you've still stayed the course, you know. It's, yeah. it's real hard to get knocked off track. You know, I've done it. Yeah, Shit. Well, it I'll, you know, it, I mean, you, it, you, you feel like you're tumbling into a world of cliches when it's just like, you know, the positive mental attitude and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, it's easy to wear that when you haven't been confronted with any level of tragedy in your life. Like it's easy to have PMA when you're 16 <laughs> you're like, and the worst thing that's happened to you is like, Oh damn, I got a, a B on my math quiz or whatever. But it's yeah. like, yeah, that to your point, it's like, as you, you know, you grow older, like, of course, the hard edges of life start to, you know, creep in on you. But if you ultimately have more to be thankful about than than to be, you know, hard on yourself about, like, that's, you know, that's kind of the core guiding principle. And you can ultimately be able to pull all of these cliches that we've learned within the context of punk and hardcore and be like, oh, some of that is applicable. Some of that is a total like you know just bs and stupid yeah. like it's just it's platitudes it's the same difference as like you know you walking into a person's house and you know life love like whatever they have one of those signs up on their wall yeah, it's, like, it, it goes it's live love limb biscuit right right it's <laughs> exactly it's, it's exactly right but it's like it, it's hard not to to look at that and be like that's just a cliche and it doesn't actually yeah. mean anything to you until you've like gone through it and it doesn't mean to say that like Oh, if you're not old, yeah. like you can't have these genuine emotions, but it doesn't, um, it, it means a lot more when you've kind of, like you said, you've gone through trials and tribulations to be like, oh, I can still remain intact as a human. Mm. So yeah, I, but I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. We have, we have nothing in our house that says any of those cliches on it. The only signage we have that would yep. consider that I bought Trina a little tiny, you know, those, you walk by target and they have those like cheesy, funny things, Of course, you know, right. um, the, when we first moved in together, because her and I moved in together at six months because I kind of got screwed out of a place to live. Like it was, we took a big risk, but it worked out. We're still together, you know, seven right. plus years later. Yeah. You know, um, I bought her a little like canvas print that's like, it's like 
eggs and bacon. And okay. the sign, it just says, you had me at bacon instead of you had me at hello. Perfect. And like, still have that up. You know what I mean? Like, Summarize, summarizes your relationship. It's me. Are you still, are you still vegan? I am. Yep. And well, I'm yeah. glad you, I'm glad you still appreciate that. Of that course. Image. <laughs> I, I would be, uh, it would be pretty ridiculous if I was like, Joel, I'm yeah. pretty angry at that sign. <laughs> you know what? You know what? On the note of, of, of veganism, you know, one of our establishments, cause, cause I, I still eat meat, but I've been on much trying to be better about being healthier. I also don't eat meat every day anymore. I will not do that. You know, sure. like I try to only eat meat like four times a week at the most. Sure. You know, um, we lost Saturn. Saturn. I know, dude. Wait, I can't remember who told me, but I was just, yeah, I mean, I was crestfallen. I mean, yeah. it's, well, it's tough because that establishment, like they changed their menu a little bit over time, but there are certain like the OG of OG vegan spots. Sometimes they just ride off that draft of like, all right, man, like, you know, you're going to come here. We know you're going to like, we know everybody knows about this. Yes. Yes. So we don't really need to be inventive with our menu and yeah. like offer anything different or do or do marketing or any of that other right. business stuff. <laughs> That's true. Or like, you know, like have a website or whatever. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's tough, but I mean, regardless, like Saturn, obviously an institution and it's a, you know, it's just, it's a shame. It's not there anymore. Cause that was, that was what you do in Santa Cruz. You go to the record stores, you go to the 418 or you yeah. go to the all and you hit Saturn after the show. You know what? I'm glad you know Davey because we're going to bring him up like one more time. I, ha right. I have to do this. Like I know everyone's going to be like, man, this Joel guy's obsessed. But um, I actually got kicked out of Saturn once. Okay. Because, well, I didn't get kicked out. I got asked to hurry up and finish my meal. Sure. Because AFI played the Civic Auditorium that night and they okay. wanted they, them, they were bringing their staff to come eat at Saturn and they knew that they would be bugged too much because it's Santa Cruz. And so they actually asked Saturn to clear the restaurant out. <laughs> Dude, that's a that's awesome. Like that's awesome that they were able to pull that off. Be like, hey guys, you got a hard close at eight, um, because we're gonna, you know, we're yeah, gonna bring our whole people. And, whole and like, they straight up told me, oh, like AFI is coming to eat here, and they don't want anybody that's not part of their team in the building because like they they want to not be disturbed. And I was like, damn, like I was like, well, I want to eat my food, but damn, that's tight. Like, yeah. okay, I'll go. Like, yeah, yeah. No, respect. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, peace, dudes. Like, thanks, kick, kick right. me out, dude. If you so, told if you told if you told me a super cheesy band, then I'd be like, you know, like I, I don't think so. But it's like, hey, if I, of course, what, it, what yeah, oh, I'll, yeah, I'll finish my meal. Yes, yeah. If you were like, oh, ICP needs your booth, I'd be like, fuck off, you know. Right. Like, it's like, uh, why are you eating here? You guys don't yeah. care about this. <laughs> yeah. One, why are you eating here? Two, whoop whoop. Yeah. Three, like right. I'll buy you some Fago and we're all good, dude. You know, totally. Like we're square, man. You don't need to come yeah. here. Oh Jesus. Well, so so um. I have one last thing I want to ask you about before we start wrapping the show. This is actually, so, you know, you've jumped around a lot after Taken. You were at Century Media. You yep. were at PETA 2. Were you at PETA? Is there a PETA 1 before I ask there, a dumb question? No, it's okay. I mean, it's all PETA, but like PETA 2 is basically just the marketing arm of like the, the youth side of the company where it was like okay. the, at, at one point they felt like they needed to separate the two. So yeah, but okay. PETA is all one entity. Okay, and then like you were at Century Media. Uh, yep. You did a stint, or are you still involved with? Is it No Sleep, right? Correct. I, I I was consulting with No Sleep when I was at PETA for about three years or so. Um, and then, when I say consulting, like that sounds like so shady, but basically I was just helping. Like the label was growing so much, they had no, they didn't really have a staff, 
And so mm -hmm. I've known Chris for forever. And so Chris was basically just like, hey, can you help me like with these sort of business things that I've never had to deal with before and like negotiating with bands and all this other stuff. So I was like, well, I did that at Century so I can easily help you here and yeah. then try to like yeah. help you get set up for the future a little bit better. So, so the two main things I want to know about, I want to know how that whole timeline, how it kind of happened. How did yep. you end up getting into the business side of stuff? Yeah. And how it did all, it was, it was all because of taken. So basically when okay. century media, yeah, I'd worked, I worked at century media or I think it was 2002, like 2009 or so, but basically it was because they were looking at taken to sign. This is when it's not too dissimilar to what you're talking about with Moria, where it was like all of those metal labels were looking to capitalize on hardcore and they were talking to everybody, you know, you're bleeding throughs, your throwdowns, everybody, anybody who was like out there and doing relatively well was getting spoken Especially to. Especially from California. Oh my gosh. Yes. So they were looking at us to sign. Uh, and then the, I became friendly with the A&R guy there, a guy named Steve Joe, still one of my close friends and just a oh. great human being. Yeah. You know, shouts, him. shouts, dude. Totally great human. Um, yes. Legitimately cares about the music and bands, like in ways that I, uh, that I'm so thankful that I encountered him because I see yeah. how you can navigate that and still care about it. But like, like if I had to, if I had to take like a, a Highlander showdown of the two nicest people in the music industry, yeah. I would give you and Steve Joe a broadsword <laughs> each and like, just let Damn. you two figure it out. Like, yeah, yeah. We'll just, we'll just probably put it down and hug each other. <laughs> exactly. And that's, that's what, that's why I love both of you, you know? Yeah. We're uh, we, we definitely are peas in a pod from that perspective, but yes. then, so yeah, Steve, he was just like, you know, a lot, like, you know, a lot about the music industry just by default, because I was the business arm of taken. I was the guy mm -hmm. that was putting all the shows together and doing everything from the business side of, of the band. And then he was just like, you know, have you ever thought about working a label? And I was like, yeah, but you know, like I, <laughs> I don't know where to begin. And so he was like, well, Hey, we're doing this thing called Abacus, which is basically a hardcore imprint of century media. So like, come on board, we can do this together. And so that's how I got introduced to the label side of things. And then did that through the different, the different iterations. Like it was, it was technically I was working for Abacus, but it was like, I was doing everything at century media. You know, yeah. um, I got assigned bands to be like, okay, like, anything that remotely fell into the not metal side of things I got assigned to where it's like, yeah, you work with, you know, in this moment you work with, you know, I mean, all the, obviously it's like suicide silence and wings of plague, like worked with all those dudes. Um, and so did that up until PETA then basically knocked on my door. We're like, Hey, we're doing this like celebrity marketing thing. Like would, you know, and I, I really didn't see a path forward at century media in regards to i mean because obviously the music industry had changed so much by that juncture it's like 2008 yeah. 2009 yeah. and i was like i don't know if this is going to be like my forever home so i i went to PETA, and that's and then at PETA is when i was doing the no sleep stuff and then PETA, then you know that's i was doing the podcast at PETA, and then i got introduced to the podcast industry via a company called midroll and stitch well at that time stitcher didn't exist but midroll uh, was basically a podcast company does a lot of production of shows and then also sells advertising. Oh, they picked okay. up, they picked up my podcast to do advertisements for. And so again, I got to know them. They were just like, you know, a lot about like, you care, like, you, yeah. you know, obs obscure metalcore bands and a lot about podcasts. I was like, yes, those are my two areas of expertise. <laughs> and so you're like, I, yeah, I, that's all that's on my resume here. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. It's like, yeah, you want to talk about red roses for a blue lady. I'll talk about, you know, eulogy records and you know, everything that they've released from you know 98 to like 2003. But uh, yeah, so that that's how I got into the podcast side of things. And then that's what I've been doing ever, you know, for the past seven years or so. Yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. Okay. So I've never asked you this question. Okay. 
how did you get involved with Sound and Fury? Like how how did that that yeah, so that transpired because so the original owners of the, it uh they came to my friend Joey and I and they were like cuz they this was 2009, I want to say. They basically they they had run it like it was three of them originally. It was like Todd Jones, um Riley who runs it now and then this guy named Bob. And basically we were friends with all of them. They came to us because they were like, we don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> like this is it's we're, we're all pulled in different directions. This isn't where our life is right now. They came to Joey and I and we're like, would you be interested in like straight up just buying this as a business from us? So we worked something out to where we're like, hey, like I've, I've been best friends with Joey ever since, you know, uh, gosh, he toured with the band. So like ever since we were like 20. So we've been, you know, friends for like 20 plus years at this point. Yeah. Him and I talked about it and we were like, all right, like, let's try, let's try this. And so we had, you know, we are the first time that we did it was 2010, I want to say. And so we did it for three years. And so basically him and I just worked together. We booked it, did all the logistics, everything. <laughs> and yeah. it was, I was grateful that we did it. I mean, as you well know, like an absolute nightmare. Like there's nothing that could be more stressful than putting on a three day music festival with like 70 plus bands. It was just, Oh, like awful. But, um, so I don't regret, like it was 2013. We had announced the first round of bands. It just became very clear that, I mean, at that time, like I had a child, I had been married for a couple of years and in my heart of hearts, I'm like, listen, if I like, we don't do that. Neither of us did it as a full-time endeavor. If yeah. we take a bath on this festival for like, we lose $800,000. I mean, that being hyperbolic, but like, we lose so much money. I can't go to my wife and my child be like, Hey, this hardcore fest didn't work out. Like we can't eat. <laughs> I was just like, they didn't sign up. for <laughs> They did not. They did not. Do yeah. That. Yeah. No. Yeah, exactly. And it just, it just became untenable for us. So like, I just went to Joey and I was like, dude, I can't do this anymore. Like, this is just this. It's not even so much like the commitment from a time perspective or like how much money we made because like you know if you equated it out to like how much work we put into it on an hourly perspective like you know we could just get a job at starbucks or whatever like we would have made yeah. infinitely more money <laughs> but versus like doing the show it just it did it felt like there was way more risk than reward mm -hmm. at that point and then we just basically wrapped it up and then it was, it was dormant for, I want to say three years. And then basically that's when multiple people kind of came to the table and they were like, Hey, what are you guys doing with that? And we're like, nothing. <laughs> do you want to do something with it? Cause ultimately we still wanted it to continue on, but we didn't want it to, um, you know, be in someone's hands that wasn't going to be a good steward or good shepherd of it, or was going to do something yeah. new with it. And so it was really funny because we were talking to a few different people and then we were kind of like pretty far along in discussions with one person who was, you know, completely interested in doing a lot of cool stuff. But then the original owners then came back like Riley and he had a new partner. It was Martine from terror. They were like, Hey, we want to do it. And we were like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like, let's, let's figure You're this like, out. Here, here. Yeah. It was like, this is great. You guys want to do it. You guys want to put it in a whole new like light. And obviously for kids that are, you know, you are younger and uh, but yeah, so it worked out and we, we, you know, sold it technically back to them whatever in 2016, 17, I can't remember whatever year that they did it, yeah. but that was, so it was a good, it was a good three years that we did the fest and it was That's a lot. So tight. Yeah. Um, I got to ask from a promoter and a, and a West coast kid standpoint, how on earth 
did you guys choose and end up with Santa Barbara for your location? Like, did you want a centralized location? Yeah. Well, it hit since Sound and Fury had always kind of been in that area. We really wanted to keep that because like, I mean, as a fan prior to us having the business ownership of it, it had always been in Santa Barbara. It had always been in the Earl Warren showgrounds. One year, I think it was 2009, I want to say, they did it in Oxnard um, at some random hall. And it just was like, it was different. It just didn't feel the same. And so it was, I mean, it was, to me, it was always really random that it was in Santa Barbara, but I think what made it so cool was because, you know, it's a sleepy beachside community, <laughs> retirement people, like, you know, you, of course yes. you have the college there, but, um, Yes, it it's just, me it, as a town. Yes, I know. Trust me. You get it. But then it was it, it felt so special that kids from around the world could experience what Southern California actually was from a, like a beach perspective and just like get that real vibe. Um, and the, I mean, there'd be kids who would literally just like camp out on the beach and then go to the show. And it was just so yeah. cool to have that. So we really wanted to keep that going. And Earl Warren was incredibly easy to work with. Like. Awesome. So we just felt we were just like, let's continue to do it there where it was like they were already familiar with it. Like we well, honestly, we we did kick the tires for a while at the Ventura State Fairgrounds. But because they were always doing warp tour around that time, we were looking to plan it and they always had their summer festival stuff. It just never court like it would have been perfect to do it there because there was so much versatility in the size of rooms and stuff. But it just never synced up. So we just always did our old Warren and there was plenty of room from a capacity perspective like we i think the last year that we did it we sold it out all three days but it was like the only reason we sold it out is because as you well know it's like when you have that many bands like the guest list is stupid or <laughs> like 30 percent of the capacity is guest yeah. list. and it's like yeah. Oh, yeah but yeah that's that's what, why was we, that was that the year someone rode a motorcycle into the pit that was our first year that was 2010 what a what a poop show that was because how was, was how was that oh, like, it was a nightmare it was a nightmare because there was, I mean, because we had to shut the show down. There was only, I think there was, fortunately it was Sunday. So then there was only maybe five or six bands that were left to play. So there was no, like, I think after there was literally only maybe one or two people that emailed us for like a refund. And we were like, really? Like you, you got through 90% of the festival. Like you're not getting a refund. Yeah. Um, but it was a nightmare from the uh, just like shutting the show down. And it was like, you know, having to like, I was on the phone, like with 911 being like, yeah, I need like riot control police here. And just like how tenuous. Oh, no. Yeah. It, it just, you know, it, these are things that you never want to go through. And then like having to literally protect the security guards, because like basically what happened after the kid, it wasn't so much that the kid rode the motorcycle in the venue, which obviously already was a nightmare. But it was once they had gotten outside, a security guard was basically, you know, sort of sleeping at the post. That's why they got into the building. But then once they got out of the building, the security guard saw that was going for the kid to try to get them off of the motorcycle for obvious reasons. And then there was, you know, a group of kids that were out there that felt that that was a threatening act and then started to really kind of lay into the security guard, security guard pepper sprayed people to be like, listen, it's one versus 15. Like I can't like stay away from me. And so it, it got to a point where we literally had to, it was like me, Joey and our friends were like a barrier of humans between the security guards and this until like the police actually came. Cause it was like, dude, this was like 
I mean, we didn't know all of that at that juncture. We just knew that this couldn't escalate to yes, yeah. an actual riot. <laughs> We're just like, listen, these kids are trying to Ooh. kill these security guards. Like, we can't yeah. have we can't have that. So that was, oh, uh, yeah, it was terrible. It was just like, I mean, in retrospect, it was easily one of the worst things I've ever experienced, like at a show from that perspective. But then, you know, like there was funny stuff that happened after the fact where it was just like people were trying to figure out who the motorcycle rider was and all this other stuff. And it was hilarious because people... Yeah. Bringing it back to Davey Havoc, people started a rumor on the Bridge Nine board that it was Davey Havoc. Clearly, it was not. But they, <laughs> the Earl Warren Showgrounds people, the next day they had done their internet research. <laughs> At one point, they were oh, like, "No, oh, dude, it was amazing." They were just like, "They're like, we think we know who it is." And they're like, "I'm not even exaggerating." They like literally slid a piece of paper over to us, and they were like, "Do you do you are you guys friendly with uh, you know a guy named Davey Havoc? We think it's him." And we, Joey and I were just like what the hell are we doing? What is this? This is insane. But it was hilarious. Oh, it was man. <laughs> totally. Oh, my God. Well, now I'm really glad I asked about that story. Yeah. Uh, David Havoc, if you listen to this, call me. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. totally. Might as, I might as well have you on the show at this point in time. Shit, Jesus. Yeah. No, um, I know. We brought you up three separate times. So here we go. <laughs> uh, I think four, technically. True, true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Ray, I have loved having you on. I Same. close my show with a few basic, basic, like the typical silly questions. Sure. Let's oh, go. So we're, we're going to get to that. All right. What's let's your favorite color? Red. You're the first person I think that's ever said that. Oh, well, it's red. Red's and my, best color. And, best color. In my 48 episodes, you're the first person. I, you know what the winner right now is, is green and purple. I was going to say green probably seems green or blue. Like that's what I would imagine most people to say. Green yeah. is my favorite. So I'm impartial, but a right. lot of people have been saying purple lately, which is like, Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 But red. No, um, no, no. Um, okay. Uh, the next, we got to talk about tour stuff. Okay. What's your favorite food at home? Okay. Uh, what's your favorite food you can only get on tour? So or when you travel, because you travel right. for work. So there is a, uh, the thing that I missed the most when I would tour is, and this is going to sound bizarre, but like cereal. I love cereal. And so like when you're on tour, you can't, like, it's not easy to access cereal because you're not rolling around with like milk. Like, yes, you can eat cereal out of the box, but like having the true cereal experience, you can't get. So when we would stay at people's places, which obviously was a majority of the time because we were not getting hotels for sure. I would, you know, we'd go to a person's house and then I would kind of like sidle up to them, at, you know, after we've developed some rapport and be like, Hey, do you, um, do you have any, do you have any cereal? <laughs> and then like, and they're like, you got a, uh, you got any soy milk? Like, it just, it was so weird because people would just be like, why are you asking for that? And I'm like, well, cause I can't have cereal as I'm on tour and I just love cereal. So, you know, uh, yeah. I've never yeah, you're you're right. All I have to say is you're right. Thank you. Yeah, there are like and it like I said, it sounds weird, but like when you think about it, it's like oh yeah, like that is not an easy thing to travel with. So I just always missed cereal. So that was something that like I guess you could technically say you can only really have at home. You know, I mean, there's millions yeah. of other things that you can only have, but that was just the first thing that came to my mind. Uh, but as far as on tour is concerned, I really uh, I loved. Uh, I tour managed a few bands I, and actually I tour managed Alexis on fire on one tour. I had never eaten a cracker barrel. Cause I was always like, dude, what the hell is a cracker barrel for like a person like me who is vegetarian vegan. And then we stopped there and the singer George was vegetarian at the time. And he was like, dude, they have a veggie plate. It's great. 
um, for sure not vegan. I was only vegetarian at the time, but they had this, like just, it, I mean, it was a veggie plate. It was like, you know, like whatever corn peas, like, you know, mashed potatoes. It was amazing. And so like <laughs> that was for years, I would just love to eat Cracker Barrel and be like, oh yeah, give me them biscuits. <laughs> give me a veggie plate. And I was the cheapest yeah. date. I was like $8 or something yeah, like seriously. that. Yeah, but it was great. Yeah. I just, so yeah, that that's definitely a, I mean, I don't eat it anymore, but that is definitely, but yeah. because it does not exist really in Southern California, it was always special to be like, dude, the first Cracker Barrel is in Arizona. In the same way that like, when people travel out here and they're like, dude, Del Taco. It's like, I yeah, know, or, right? Oh, 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 I forgot to give you the, the disclaimer. We don't talk about Del Taco on the show. Are you a Taco Bell stan? No, they've shut down every Del Taco within three hours of me in Northern California. Like we, okay. I have to go to Fresno. Uh, my, my thoughts and condolences. I just, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I'm thank you. I'm sorry. Okay. Thank you. Yes. But I mean, I do love Taco Bell, but that's not the point. Okay. That's fine. Um, I, will, I, will, I will not utter those words anymore. Okay. I'm going to give you a, a, a third question from the food just because okay. you're my first true vegan guest on the show. Sure. Uh, West, West coast, just, you know, what's your favorite vegan West Coast restaurant? Well, I mean, the uh, like a a restaurant that's like easy to access, like, you know, Veggie Grill is great. Like it's a very, you know, fast, casual, like they have multiple locations up and down the West Coast. So it's mm -hmm. like easy for people to like dip into and check out and like. And it's the least confrontational. You can take any carnivore there and they're going to find food that they enjoy. So I really like the simplicity of that. Okay. Um, and obviously it's sort of pervasiveness in regards to people being able to access this. Cause I mean, there's yeah. millions of places that are just one place, you know, but like, so it's like, Oh yeah, well, you that, can go there in that, LA. That's but. what I want. Like what's your one place? Like if you were going to tell me one place, yeah. So there's, uh, well, actually this is, this is now developing into a chain. There is a, uh, chain called plant power, which is basically, mm. it's, it's basically in and out except vegan. And okay. it, it, I mean, and they have a little more expansive menu. It's not just like double, double or cheeseburger. Uh, they have like chicken burgers and all that stuff, but, uh, it's really, so they have locations in like, uh, some places in Southern California, a little bit in the inland empire, but it is expanding a little bit. I think they're opening a location in Arizona, but that is unbelievably good because again it's super simple it's like you know you can spend 15 dollars and get you know fries a burger a shake like that. just all that stuff and it's just it's it's really it's it's again simple and good like i love that i was down down your in your neck of the woods i think it was two christmas time it was either 2018 2019 uh albert okay. had me come down for the decibel metal fest that they do yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. uh i got introduced to that place monty's Spectacular. Great burger. Dude, Great burger. I was like blown. Like I, I will already eat vegan food and vegetarian food. Like yeah, you know yeah, that. Yeah. I, I'm not shy about that information to anybody, but like I was like blown the fuck away eating there. Like I was like, I would eat this over yeah. a regular hamburger. Yeah. You know, like super good. Okay. Tight. Yeah. Love it. Tight. Tight. Okay. Well, thanks, um, thanks for having wait. me, bud. I appreciate oh, it. Oh, oh no. I got two more questions. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Wawa or Sheets? I would say Wawa, just because I have more experience at Wawa. Okay, sheets, fair. I've only been to a couple of times. Um, Wawa is just, uh, it, yeah, they just, I mean, I think they both obviously have their merits and they're, but they are so much exponentially better than like a 7 Eleven, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Wawa, I just have more experience. So I'll go with them. Uh, I know you haven't watched the show because that's a trick question. The real answer is Bucky's. Well, I mean, I, I get that. 
Like I, I again, I have less experience <laughs> with Bucky's. I've only been to one Bucky's. Um, That's all you but, need, though. Yeah, no, I know, but I, yeah, I would still, I would still go for Wawa. I'm sorry. Oh wow. I know. I'm sorry. It's okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm having heart palpitations now. I know. I just, I, I, frankly, I just need to have more experience. That's what I need. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. Yeah. Last question, and then, and then you're free, my friend. You're free. Yeah, um. So this might not apply to you because you're a pretty open person like me, but um, you know, people in the music industry, especially people involved in businesses, you like, there's not necessarily a, a front or a facade or a facade that we put up, but yep. like, you know, there's certain things that people might not know about you or like sure. a characteristic or a habit you have that like the general public doesn't know about Ray. Yep. Like if you had to say one thing that you wish more people knew about you, like whether it's, Again, hobby, personality trait, characteristic, sure, just a passion. Do you what, what would that be? I would say that. Um, so I think I mean something that I'm uh, proud of as far as like a character. I mean, like I I do self-identify as a Christian. Like faith is important to me, and I think that is that's something that obviously is not like ever in vogue or in fashion within our community. I mean, of yeah. course, like the Christ Core stuff exists, but it's like separate from that like that's not cool <laughs> people are just like oh yeah like you know you like religion is dogma and all that sort of stuff and like, i i agree with most of that because religion yeah. in and of itself is man-made so obviously imperfect but relationship with spirituality like that's what i'm more focused on um so yeah and i mean i know that like in the past like i definitely have been like people did lump in uh taken at one point being like oh christian adjacent which is like well yeah like maybe one or two members are but like that was never our focus or anything yeah. like that um so yeah that i mean that's just something that i'm proud of and i like to engage with people that you know are interested and it's just like yo like what does that look like for you you know what is like faith yeah. and all that sort of you know weird uh you know stuff that i'm like as a, as a person who is like completely agnostic or straight up atheist, like, you know, I don't agree with you. I'm like, that's fine. You know, there are different paths for, uh, mm -hmm. for different people, but yeah. So that's, that's probably one thing that, you know, I'm not ashamed of, but like, I don't necessarily get the opportunity to bring it up or talk about it. So yeah. that's, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Uh, you know, Ray, I love that. Uh, I actually I consider myself a man of the faith as well. So like, I don't cool. practice, like I was raised Catholic, Sure. Um, I, I identify as a Christian, I would say, sure. but I don't like the church structure. I don't like, totally. like the, the authoritative, like, right. I, you know, so, so like my outlook is like when Jesus died for us, yes, we're taught that that was his greatest gift. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I actually don't think that that was God's greatest gift to us. I think the fact is God's all powerful supposedly and all knowing supposedly i'm saying supposedly for the non-believers right, right, right. <laughs> um but he gave us free will yeah exactly to choose to me to me to me the fact that he, he gives us the choice to choose when he doesn't have to that what more do you need you know mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah for sure no you can carve you can carve your own path whatever that may mean and that is ultimately the most exciting thing that anybody has in their lives whether or not they decide to pursue something spiritual or whether they decide to go the complete opposite direction and be like, no, like there's nothing after this life. It's like, yeah. okay, like that's great. And that's, yeah. that only, that's only afforded in our perspectives via, like you said, that gift of being like, well, I'm not telling you what to do. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I mean, I am, but I'm not. <laughs> so yeah. I love, it. I love it. All right. Ray, thank you so much for being on the show, man. I appreciate you 
you're, Appreciate you. a, you're like I said, you're an influence to me. I don't, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily call you like a, what's the term? Yeah. You're just, you're just an influence for me. You know what I mean? Like we well, all have you. the people that kind of like help them come before. And then yeah. there's like the people that help me continue. You're, sure. you're in that list. Like you're one of the people in the biz that I look at more like an inspiration. Well, I, so. I, I appreciate that. And it's like, that's the only way it works. It's like, you know, people mm -hmm. are a little bit older than you. You look at them, you'd be like, oh, that's cool what they're doing. Like, I want to do some version of that. And it's like, it just continues to get passed down because there are people that absolutely think that of you, whether you know it or not. Um, yep. And so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's really cool. But thank you for saying that, Joel. I appreciate it. Of course. That. Well, thank you for being on the show. Uh, how can everybody follow you and what's the best way to look up your podcast? At X purpose X everywhere on every social media platform. I've always been that since I was yeah. 16 years old and chose that screen name and then continued on throughout my whole life. Uh, and then, yeah, you can just find it a hundred words using the number, uh, but you can find it on any podcast platform imaginable. It's pretty easy to find. Tight. Excellent. Well, everyone, this has been another, you, you know where you are. I'm not even going to do the outro, right? Thanks for being here with me. No I appreciate problem. it. Everybody that listened or watched. Thanks. Drop the subscribe, drop the review, the likes, hit the stars. You know, you all know the routine. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate it.